Well, hello there. This is Leona M. of Birding Adventures Leona M. And this is my fourth podcast. So, this one I decided would just be a potpourri of things that have happened to me throughout the last little while in the birding arena. And I hope you will enjoy them all. So, please stick around and have a listen and let me know what you think. This is a poem I found about a bird, which I actually like this poem very much. It's called On the Forest Floor. Beneath some fallen leaves on the forest floor lies a bird, silent, chirping no more. The once esteemed beauty of his golden feathers are now washed away by the rain and awful weather. His wings are bent and broken, he can barely fly. The eagle-like heart he once had is now beginning to die. No one looks up to this bird anymore. He's just another fallen object lying on the forest floor. The little bird, as he dies, looks up at the blue skies and no one even stops to cry or to feel any emotions inside as his heart beats its last song. No one wonders if they have done wrong. As it was, the bird just needed love, love all along, but there was no one there to mend his broken wings. There was no one there to listen to the song he would sing. The people were too busy and too controlled by wealth to care at all about nursing a bird back to proper health. They could not look down to see the broken sad and poor and spot a little bird lying there on the forest floor they could not bend down and cup him in their palm they could not soothe him and make his beating heart calm but there was someone up in the sky he watched sadly as the little bird slowly died his hand reached down from a place in the sky it carried the bird up up way up high. Now the bird is free, free again, free to chirp, free to sing, a song of no end. But down here, where the bird once lay, on the forest floor, things get harder, worse than they ever were before. More things die and drop to the ground. Things vanish away without making a sound. And while they are now happy, we cannot ignore the bird we left there to die on the forest floor. And that poem was by James V. Hawker Jr. And one of the reasons that it interested me so much is all of the reading I've been doing on FLAP, the organization FLAP, uh, the Fatal Light Awareness, uh, so that when it, birds who are impacting windows and falling out of the air and dying and being injured and all of those sorts of things, and then you have uh, a lot of a lot of things happening with uh, you know pesticides and and herbicides and things that are, are 
plastics uh, and stuff that that's all affecting bird life and I don't know speaking as somebody who's really into birds and loves hearing them loves seeing them and I also think that they have a lot to teach us about what it is to be a survivor what it is to live life be the most amazing strugglers I guess uh, I mean how what else can you call it but a struggle and a fantastic one at that to be able to migrate twice each year and over the distances that they do with a little rest and all that. and anyway this the poem reminded me of that and all of those things that I've been hearing about. and so when I read it it was like yeah this is something that really resonates with me and so I hope you like the poem now in this next section coming out I was out and I was listening to the birds and they were singing and all and you can hear the red-winged blackbird you can hear a few other ones and one that you can also hear very clearly was one that I knew the kind of bird that it was but I didn't know exactly who right now I'm gonna play some sounds I think the second one is the one that best describes who this bird is and you can tell me what you think after you hear them all. What do you think? Seven thirty five in the morning. Can you hear the frogs? was a crow. It is a beautiful day today. I can't see one cloud. Can't see lots of mosquitoes though. So what do you think? I'm still saying number two was the right 
rate speed, the rate pitch, all of those kinds of things. Now, that song was of the Swamp Sparrow. As a matter of fact, all four of them were the song of the Swamp Sparrow. Um, see, this is what they do, these birds. They're tricky that way. You know, they have more than one song. And that's what makes it interesting to try and learn who's who, what's going on and when. And then you combine with that the chipping sounds and all of the different things that, that go on and the, the warning calls and stuff. And it really is an interesting way of learning how to bird with your ears. So, yeah, I think it's number two. If you agree with me, let me know. I think this next bit is going to give you a little bit of insight into what kind of a crazy birder I actually am. Um, you're going to hear me <laughs> taking pictures. Uh, and I am that person with the camera that will come home with 200, 300. I have come home with a maximum of about 820 photos while I've been out for four or five hours. And they all are sort of like, uh, you could make a, a slideshow or one of those, you know, the flip books that used to be around and stuff of, of the bird because you can catch them in just about any movement in mine. Uh, but they are so attractive to me and I love to see how they do move and, and the, the, the different little things and I'm not much of one for video I will take a video every now and again but I, I'm mostly pictures and it just it fascinates me how birds can move the I used to think of their wings as more of a, a stationary sort of like more like planes okay so it's being out of the sides and they could angle and stuff but you know, they were flight things and, and stuff. And like the, the thing that su surprised me and now I understand it a little bit more is, I mean, those wings can really, they can like bend them and kind of flip them over uh, frontwards and stuff and, and use them kind of like bats if they really want to. Um, so yeah, that that is all kind of fascinating to me and how important those feathers are to them and how well they try to keep them and, and then when you watch their legs and their feet move the way that those toes can can grip things and, and the the balance that they have and you know like so all of these different things that I'm I'm looking at and I, I just sort of and I take pictures of it so in order to see it um because I can't get as close to them as I would like to so this is my way of doing that. Um, I do have an awful lot of horrible pictures. Okay, like blurry, oh, like, kind of like, oh, look, bird in the mist um, kind of thing. Or like tail feathers and headless birds. And, well, yeah, some pretty interesting things. And I've actually taken pictures of bare branches where I thought a bird was. So that's even better. Now, I... 
was watching while this was going on these two birds that I was and I made the mistake of thinking that they were warblers because first of all they were very far away from me and uh, I saw them as olive green with yellow on on the breast which pretty much okay with the light that was on them that's that's fairly accurate but when I took the camera I could see them a little bit better and they were flycatchers or in this case they were eastern wood peewees and I was quite surprised um, to see that but pleasantly so and this is what they sound like And they even have a song that they sing in the morning. Which is really kind of cool, don't you think? So, anyways, those were the ones that I was watching out there. And I had thought, okay... Is this peewee or is this a Phoebe? But there was no tail twitching. Um, and because from far away, that's the most sorts of things I can make out. Color differences are not there for me at that, at that far away. And I also didn't hear the Phoebe call. So, yeah. And so this was my, my interesting part of, of, watching birds and hearing birds and trying to put the two things together and there is another little bird sound that i will play afterwards that so that you can know what i heard for those guys and that was a lifer for me because we're in covid times there have been a lot of webinars online birding and birding festivals and all sorts of things and and i've attended lots and lots and lots of webinars um, a lot of them talking about learning to bird by ear you know so you can identify what birds you're listening to like the blackbirds um and you're there and i can now i can see one of those okay the nondescript warbler with the sort of olive back and the slightly yellow breast. Yeah, he's he's about three hundred feet from me, going up in a tree, and um, yeah, so it's 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 one of those. He's he's very cute. They see I see them a lot here. They're uh, usually Mrs. Common Yellowthroat. Um, Oh my, wasn't that acrobatic? Um, did a big swoop around the tree that she's sitting in. She, he. Um, hang on a second, I'm going to put my camera up so that I can see what's going on. Okay, where are you? Ah, you could turn around this way. Please. Although you look very pretty with the sun on your back.
see it. You are, I was like way wrong. You're a fly catcher. Okay, look at your wings. Oh, they're beautiful. And that's kind of the way it works for me. Um, because I bird from my car. Uh, which is a, a great way to do it. But anyways, I was reflecting on how different uh, the marsh, swamp, whatever you want to call it, at uh, Sheriff Creek is this year from last. There's, oh my, a lot more water this year. A lot. It, it's quite a bit deeper. And although... We haven't got much of the new growth up top. It's starting to come through. So it has that really thick at the base look. So you've got all of the brown uh, sort of decaying stuff from last year. And new green stuff coming up. And some of the, the shrubs have leafed out. And you've got reeds coming up. And cattails. And all sorts of things. And most of the trees, the, which are little, have leafed out. The birds are different though. It's... It, it's weird. Um, last year at this time, even though it was COVID and we snuck around uh, in order to see them, there were already lots of uh, Phoebes and uh, uh, all of the, the different warblers were in here, but we had warmed up. We had, we had stayed warm once we got warm. Uh, this past May, uh, has been one of those up and down months where we had like really cold. We had snow um, and then it got warm and it got really warm and that lasted for about, oh, I don't know, five days or so. And then we got cold again. And so the, the differences I think have, have made uh, a difference in what birds seeing right at the moment. There was the most huge flock of geese that that went over just a few minutes ago and it was one of those experiences where you're just like wait a sec okay and you can hear them and they're coming and you don't see them yet because i've got a bunch of trees in front of me and stuff but it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder and more like you you'd be going they should be overhead by the volume of the sound they should be overhead by now and they weren't and it was just like waiting in expectation to see this and going like, okay, what? Am, come on. And, and so you don't think, you know, oh, I should be recording this or I should be taking pictures of this or I should be doing something because you're just in it. And wow, it was really something to watch. Like they, they just kept on coming, you know, so you get, you've got the, like the head of the V sort of thing. And then you've got one side that was longer than the other side and they just kept on going. And it, it was amazing between the sound of them and and they're headed over to Cork by the sounds of, of which way they went. So like, but it, it was just, it was startling to, to hear all that. And I'm like, I don't know, birding for me, it just, it's, it's an all over thing. It isn't just what I can see and, you know, and, and catalog and think of and, and stuff, but it, it's like that, that thing that you get, because that was an experience that I, 
I don't know it like well it's new each time it happens and and it gets it gets right in you like I mean it's just something that that you can't tell I guess anyone how it makes you feel but it's it's a it's big and it really was terrific and that's what that's what this thing is but now I'm I'm sitting here and I'm going like okay so there there are two birds that have been fluttering in and out of my view and in and out of my view which I think is kind of like their courtship mating kind of thing that's going on and I want to know who they are um and there's a few very, very tiny fellows, and they're about 400 feet from me. So this is where, you know, you say to your camera lens, please, please, could you just extend that far? <laughs> and it probably won't, but I will enjoy it anyway. And I will sit with a photograph of a bird that I can't even tell what it is. And I, I will wonder at it and go like, do I see a stripe? There is there this, there is there that. But that's the fun of it. That's the, the, the part of it that I really, really, really like is, is the, the whole sort of like, it is from start to finish an adventure to, and it, I don't know, makes me feel good. Now this is the other little bird that I heard. This is a song and a call put together and it gave me a little bit of a problem, but along with the picture... I managed to get it. Here you go. And that was my lifer for the day. And it was a magnolia warbler. Very, very pretty little bird. Really, really nice song. You know, this whole birding by ear thing. Now, I'm I'm trying to learn, and I'm not so bad at, at a few of the calls. And what I did was I went on Dendroica, but you hear that bird there? <laughs> I'm looking for that bird. Um, and I got a whole bunch of uh, the, the birds here, and so, so I could start putting in their calls and I separated out the sparrows because I really like sparrows and and stuff and then I have a, a general sort of thing but I personally think that the birds should be kind enough when they're doing all of these varying things that they do in when they have multiple calls and songs and stuff if when they were doing it they just kind of jump up from wherever they were kind of wave a wing every so often and go like yo it's me over here kind of thing because the one I have the hardest time with are the chip sounds there it's like okay I'm trying to get like a, a level on how high some of them are versus you know the ones that are more in the middle and stuff and it's like oh you know because when you've got to try and separate them out it, like it, it's some go and I mean like I can appreciate all of these people who know this stuff wow okay but yeah no um actually dendroica has come up to be a really good source because i can put them all together i can make up my list of things and and learn them in little clumps and stuff so like it, it's well worth the doing hearing the jays in and around and stuff like that but i want to know where that bird is that one 
I want to know where he is. And I can't find him. Ugh. Anyhow. Yeah. So, yeah. So birding by ear. Yeah. Trying to learn and, and listening and, 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 and doing all these things. And do you know, um, there, there are times that you go, what the heck was that? Oh, that's got to be a different kind of bird. And everybody goes like, no, it's a frog. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all that too. So there, there's lots of, of fun stuff to do when you're, when you're learning this. Anyhow. So I'd like to introduce you to a couple of different chip sounds. So that you might understand eh, why I'm having a little bit of a problem with them. I don't I don't know for sure if you know everybody has the same sort of issues that I do with sounds like chip, but this is, is really something. So okay, let's hear this one. Okay, got that? That is a chipping sparrow alarm call. All right. So now, just for the sake of argument, right, let's, we'll find another one here. Could be really good. Oh, this fellow, yeah, why not? Let's use him. Here we go. That and are both the sounds of a song sparrow. Okay. And then my buddy. And that was the Swamp Sparrow. So you can see why it's, it's a little bit, even just within sparrows, just a, a bit confusing. But still, it it's so cool to, to listen to all these different, all the different sounds that they'll make, right? And, and to learn what they do or what sound they make when. It, and then it's echoed by other birds and, and other birds seem to understand what these calls are. So, I mean, if we're putting ourselves at the top of the, the chain, right? And we're saying we are who we are. We're at the top of the chain because we have a language. We are the only, you know, we're self-aware. We're all sorts of things. Okay. If you bring it down to birds, and you say, all right, so if a chickadee puts out an alarm call and the blue jays understand it, then isn't it us that has the problem? Or is, like, 
lesser on the communication scale because we don't understand them as in the group of them, but they understand each other in languages that are supposedly different between each type of bird. So isn't that our deficiency? I don't know. I um, have a poem that my friend Warwick posted uh, on something that has affected me greatly, actually. Um, and it's by Abigail Echohawk. And it says, When they buried the children, what they didn't know, they were lovingly embraced by the land held and cradled in a mother's heart. The trees wept for them. With the wind, they sang morning songs their mothers didn't know to sing. Bending branches to touch the earth around them, the Creator cried for them, the tears falling like rain. Mother Earth held them until they could be found. Now our voices sing the morning songs with the trees the wind, light sacred fires, ensure that they are never forgotten as we sing justice. In some very weird way, COVID has been a good thing for me. I love to learn. It Finding out new things, adding to what I already know, um, being able to increase what I'm able to do uh, with everything that I learn is so important to me so much a part of who I am and I've always been uh, a voracious reader and you know a, a studier and 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 a getting in there and trying to figure out another way that it can be done or you know why would this be this way all of those kinds of things and so I have loved having all of the webinars and and the meetings that have been available uh, with birding topics over the, the last, well, really two years now. And I hope that they continue. And I actually hope that they continue to grow, even though you can have outdoor events, even though we'll get back to it eventually. Um, probably next year some will be happening so I'd still I hope that uh, the the webinars stay on and that they do increase because it's another way another layer of being able to learn of being able to participate and I think for disabled people such as myself that too is important uh, when you're talking the elderly when you're talking children um, Think of people that that would were are in hospital 
um, or in nursing homes, that sort of thing. I mean, all of all of us deserve the right to see the things that are going on, to, to be able to learn about them, to be able to even have question and answer sessions, anything. There is so much potential that the internet brings to put to light issues that are going on with, with birds and with nature and with being involved in it and, and conserving it that I don't think you can afford to say, okay, now we can stop doing this or we can do less of it. I think we should do more of it. <laughs> That's partially, you know, a real thing for me because then I get to do more. Um, but still on and on. Right. I'll, I can, I can go up. But I do, I love things like that. Uh, I have enjoyed almost every single presentation from the Toronto Bird Celebration. I went to the uh, inaugural uh, Sault Ste. Marie Birding Festival uh, this year and watched many of their presentations. Um, I got to learn about winter birding in Northern Ontario, where I live, in a way that I don't experience uh, because of my disability. Um, so through other people, through slideshows and others, and I got to be able to talk to those people and learn more from them as well and have them be interested in what I'm doing to promote birding with disabilities. And so I think that that too is an important way to connect people, okay, it's through through that kind of a, a medium. I just, it, it's been amazing. Um, I follow a ton of people on Instagram and Twitter um, and on Facebook, and I am on all of those things. And now doing this, I, I just don't think you can discount what social media or podcasting or any of the ways that you can reach out to a, an audience can do for what it is you want to protect, you want to promote, uh, you want to be part of. And within the birding community, this is my thing. I am not a formal birder. I probably never will be because I can't I can't get over the thrill of it the the absolute beauty that I think that a cedar waxwing on an evergreen tree with the sun hitting it from one side and they look like polished alabaster and they're just so beautiful and to have an eastern kingbird bring the family over because we've been hanging out all summer and just sort of go look these are my kids look and yes i believe that's what he did <laughs> and don't try to tell me otherwise because they just they came over when i was there so there you go and how can you not just be in love in love with chickadees and nuthatches, tiny little birds, little guys who are out there, you know, rain, shine, snow, sleep, whatever, and they're goofy. They're absolutely goofy. Or if you've ever stood underneath a tree with 
a Canada J above you and had a chat. And the Canada J is looking at you and tilting his head side to side. And like, it's like, really? This is how you honestly feel about things? But it, it's, it's just it, that part of it for me is the be all. And it's not that I haven't been learning things and that I haven't added to my knowledge and I haven't seen more words and I and I'm not concerned with conservation issues because I am and all sorts of things that impact birds but I think there are people who do that part better than I do and I watch their webinars and I listen to their podcasts and I go with those things what I do is I tell you about all the crazy things that happen to me, how many pictures I take, what sorts of odd things I'm trying to learn, what sort of odd things I think, and I hope that it's interesting for you. And that's what this next section is about. So yesterday I had quite the quandary. There were two webinars on at the same time that I wanted to watch. One of them was the reintroduction of the story of the Eastern Loggerhead Shrike. Um, and I really wanted to see that one. It was uh, one of those things of returning an endangered songbird to Ontario's grasslands confirmation. And that was held by the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority. And yes, I'm reading off of an email that I have to get the title just right. The other one that I wanted to watch was with the Urban Birder. It was a an interview with David Lindo, and that was absolutely fascinating to watch as well. I have always thought that shrikes were beautiful birds. I had thought that they were only birds of prey because they eat meat, right? So they, they go out and get themselves a little bug or a frog kind of thing, and they're, they're very handy that way. But then they were showing pictures of how the uh, males would impale the meat on the, like a thorn or whatever on a on a tree so that females would be attracted to it, which is a little odd, um, you know, because I don't really think of like, oh, look at that. <laughs> it looks like a nice piece of meat, but okay, it, it attracts a female bird and that's kind of cool. And they had one where they showed that the bird had actually found a piece of bacon and uh, had impaled that on a tree. So, this was very interesting to me, even though this bird doesn't come this far. Um, it's still terrific to know that they're working on, first of all, reintroducing them to where they belong here in Ontario. And second, that an endangered species is being looked after and may uh, rebound to the point where it's no longer endangered. And that would be fabulous. And then David Lindo, this is one of the most uplifting interviews I've seen in a long time. The man is like, well, first of all, very into birding, urban birding. Um, although apparently he's birded everywhere. 
and he likes quiet spaces, but he likes loud spaces as well. And he says, you know, you need to learn over time how to tune out the sounds that prevent you from hearing the sounds that you want to hear, which is bird song and calls and stuff. And then you'll hear them everywhere. And there are birds everywhere. And that was really cool. And then on his website that I've been looking at, uh, it says, remember, look up. And that's a very positive message from so many angles. Uh, not just about birds, but yes, for birds, for sure. Because they're flying overhead and they, they scoot and they flutter and they do all kinds of things. And, but then again, looking up is a very positive attitude as well. So I, I thought that was really, really cool. And listening to what he had to say. And uh, I did take notes though, because I'm watching two at the same time. One on my phone and one on my laptop. And to keep them separate and to make sure I had what I wanted from each one of them in order to be able to remember it. So yeah, I wrote like a fool and I wrote in two different colors of ink to, to keep them separate. So, and that is my way, but they were fantastic and I enjoyed them immensely. And I wish that webinars could be scheduled all throughout the day so that I wouldn't have to, because I probably still would have more, um, that I would try to listen to. that's the end of the podcast and we're going to end with a poem and thank you very much for listening i appreciate every single person that does listen and please feel free to get in touch leave a comment i will look at every single one of them thank you all see you next time i will not give up the flowers in my heart for stones just because the world is a hard place. The world is only hard because it needs more flower-hearted people. Nikita Gill